It's time for episode 436 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's full of love. Well, for tech and timeliness, at least. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my friend, my dungeon buddy. It's Dan the Man Morn. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well, Micah. I looked, uh, I got this morning, I saw my shadow, so I think that means <laughs> uh, six more tech topics for us. I saw some story about one of the, some groundhog that's famous passing away. I don't know if it was yeah, the Yeah, it was groundhog. the New Jersey, no, no, it was the New Jersey version, I guess. Is that, it, oh. am I offending anybody if I'm like, it's the I, yeah, knockoff? It was just the New Jersey one. In any case, rest Sorry, in Jersey. peace, little groundhog. Um, we hardly knew ye. I didn't know ye at all. But uh, I do know the people who are joining us this week. To my left, for the first time, the co-host of Unsolicited Fatty's Talk Back podcast, as well as an Atlassian admin, it's Brian Guffey. Welcome to the show, Brian. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Super excited to be on Clockwise. And to my left this week, a consumer tech analyst at Creative Strategies and just an all-around superstar, it's Carolina Milanese. Welcome back, Carolina. Thank you for having me. And it is always a pleasure to get the show rolling, so we'll do that. You know how this works for Topics 30 Minutes. Mine for you is as follows. We just saw, or some folks may have seen, that in the new beta of iOS, uh, there is a uh, indication that there are push notifications for web apps that are actually coming to iOS. It made me wonder, though, because when those pop up, when I go to a website and it says, hey, do you want to enable notifications? I say no every single time. I'm just curious, how do you manage phone notifications? What actually gets to vibrate, ding, or bug you, and what gets shut off? Also, I'm curious if there's anything that makes you go, mm, you used to get notifications, now you're going silent. Brian, we'll start with you. So I do not have great notification hygiene, so a lot of things... Uh, buzz me and ding me and I mostly have just learned to ignore it uh, but uh, one thing that doesn't send me notifications anymore are any news apps at the beginning of the pandemic I turned them all off because it was all bad news and I just really needed to control when I took that information in so I think the main thing that I'm looking for is are the notifications things that make me happy or do they make me sad this is also why my email notifications are off because email <laughs> makes me sad those are all good. I, I have very few things that uh, when I say that, and then I, of course, I start thinking in my head of all the things. But I put it this way: my phone is always on silent. If it's uh, actually making noise, then it's got to be something that I'm like deliberately doing, watching a video or playing a game or something. Um, I do have news notifications on. Though I trimmed down at one point, I think I had like three different, not intentionally, but I realized I would get the same story with like all of a sudden ping me three times, and I was like that is too much. So I think I'm down to one now. Um, and it's even that is curated to just like really just breaking news. Uh, even though it's sometimes bad, I agree with you, Brian. Um, I just my news news junkie part of me can't quite give up on that. So I try to curate that stuff. But there's almost always more stuff that sort of sneaks through, which again, is a lot like my email. Uh, Carolina, what about you? 
I'm similar to you. I have either time sensitive or important people. Um, those are the two main things. And because I have a, an Apple Watch, there's an extra step. So you might get to my phone, but you don't get to my wrist. So there's there's a level there, both of urgency and importance of you know the role that you play in my life. So my family obviously gets to. Well, I say obviously, maybe it's not obvious. They, <laughs> they do get to my wrist. And then I have a love and hate with smart home notifications mm. because, you know, there are times where it just make, makes me realize how many times the Amazon delivery person gets to my door <laughs> <laughs> um, and it gets oh, yeah. depressing. Um, so th- for me, the, the best thing that I found as far as keeping on top of things, is actually a review uh, maybe every quarter, you know, having that moment of like you do with your email, right? Uh, I did that at the beginning of January. I did a purge of all the stuff that I was getting every day in my inbox and I kept on deleting. And I was like, well, go and unsubscribe instead mm-hmm. of keep on deleting every day. And I do the same thing with notification. You know, things change in your life. What matters to you changes. And so your notification should change with you. Um, for the most part, I have notifications turned off on everything. There are a few very specific Slack things that get to buzz me uh, because of the involvement that it has with work, and it's very up to the minute needs to happen. Uh, but other than that, pretty much any time I do grant notifications, the, the first time a notification pops up is that one chance that the app gets to make a good first impression. Otherwise, it's an immediate shutdown uh, of push notifications. All right. Thank you all for your answers on that topic. All interesting. Let us move to our next topic, which comes from Brian. Crisis text line, which is the texting line for people who are in like immediate emotional and mental health crisis, terminated its data sharing agreement with Loris.ai, the spun-off company that CTL founded to identify which texters needed help first. Crisis Text Line claimed they've been upfront about their data sharing with Lawrence from the beginning. However, uh, after backlash about uh, this data sharing coming out more publicly, they still went ahead and terminated that agreement. How do you feel about the fact that CTL was sharing this information with Lawrence, that they founded a company like this and that they terminated it? And should intimate data of people's most vulnerable moments, even an anonymized and scrubbed of all personally identifiable information, be used like this? The one thing that sort of struck me when I was reading the story about this is mentioning that before users seeking assistance speak with the volunteer counselors, they consent to data collection. And I was like, man, I cannot imagine a worse time to be asking somebody if you Mm -hmm. need to consent to data collection, right? I mean, anything that's going to push people away from using your service or make them, you know, they've already, you know, tried to get over that hump of of texting and reaching out. And that's so hard, I think, in many cases that anything that, that might get them delay them or make them think twice seems like a bad idea um i i understand that i'm sure there is some some well-meaning intentions behind having uh, ai sort of parse this and try to figure out ways to hand you know help the people who need the most help but you know there are times where i think like maybe <laughs> maybe we've gone too far with technology uh and this is i feel like one of those times where it's like yeah there's probably ways to increase this improve this process make sure you're helping all the people who need to be helped and, and doing it in the most efficient way possible but 
is using AI to scrub that pers- very personal information really something that's going to help you? I, I don't know. I, I I feel very unconfident about it. And I think my, my sort of base reaction would be anything that adds uh, additional sort of layers between people seeking help and getting the help they needed is, you know, as well-meaning as it might be, probably not the best idea. Carolina? What got to me is how just how intricate the whole thing is because they set up this AI company. Uh, at some point, they shared the CEO and the data that they're using is not necessarily used, at least that's how I understood it, to improve the service that the people who reach out receive, but is actually used to be sold to monetize in making call center people better in general. So there's a business model based on the AI that uses the data. And I think that's what got to me is the fact that you're monetizing out of people in need. And that is just wrong. There's no way that you can explain it and make me think that you're doing this for the good of anybody. I think one of the things that really bugs me is when a company says they were completely upfront about something, when people are shocked or put off by something or surprised by something, to just say, hey, we were upfront about it. I don't feel like that's enough. Because clearly, in the way that you were upfront about something, it was not upfront enough for people to realize what was going on, what was happening, if you have that much shock and outrage. That's not upfront. That's sort of doing the bare minimum, doing what is required, but not going further with that and saying, we're going to make this as clear as we possibly can. And I realize that it becomes a complicated thing whenever we're talking about you know, something that needs to be dealt with in that moment. I just don't like this idea of a sort of shruggy. And then the person or the company says, hey, we, you know, we were upfront about it. I don't know why everybody's upset. So no, I don't think that um, these intimate bits of, of, of data and information should be shared regardless of whether it is tied to a person or it's not. Um, Brian, why don't you round us out? You can't ask people <laughs> to agree to something when they're like, you know, in the worst possible moments. Mm-hmm. People are not going to be able, they're not going to, we don't pay attention to those agreements in our best days. We're not going to pay attention to them at our worst. And yet I recognize the power of technology to improve the way that we interact with people, to be able to triage those text messages, to understand something in advance about who needs help first. And so I don't begrudge Crisis Text Line for for making use of that data from an AI perspective. I do think that they should have been much more public upfront and I don't know how you do it, honestly. I don't know if there's a great answer to make sure that everybody was really aware of the fact that this data was going to be sold. And I don't even know if there's a way to do that like an effective way. I just wish this wasn't a choice that they felt they had to make. Absolutely. All right, folks, with that, we have reached halftime, which means we'll take a quick break so I can tell you about Electric. We're bringing you this episode of Clockwise 
When leading your small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours trying to find a laptop lost in the mail for a new hire, or maybe dealing with some other technical emergency. The team over at Electric No Small Businesses that maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. For Clockwise listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones when you take a qualified meeting. You just go to electric.ai slash clockwise to set it up. That's electric.ai slash clockwise to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today just for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. Let's head back into the show with Dan's topic. All right, the latest beta for iOS 15 adds a couple extra features to iCloud Keychain, uh, such as the ability to add notes into entries in the Keychain, which makes it compete a little more directly with standalone password managers. I'm curious what you use to manage your passwords right now and whether you would give them up for a built-in solution like iCloud Keychain, and if not, what is still missing for you, if anything? Carolina? Keychain is my go-to. Um, the problem I have is that I don't always live in an Apple world because I test a lot of different things and I actually go back and forth uh, between iOS and Android and uh, Windows and Mac. And so I need to use something else as a backup. Um, and I don't like it. Uh, because uh, because keychain is is very seamless, and I find everything else. I tried one password for a while. I tried uh, Microsoft Authenticator for a while, but there always seems glitches and extra steps that I don't necessarily want to take. What I've noticed recently on Windows is that because I live more in Edge than anything else. Actually, between Edge and, and iCloud, the uh, the keychain actually works, and so you have a, a you know a a bit is not all perfect, but you have a bit of the advantage now in coming across. So yeah, the more keychain can be a full yeah, in his own right uh, password management solution, the happier I'm going to be. I am definitely a 1Password user. I've uh, tried a few of the different password management tools, and iCloud Keychain is the one that I recommend to friends and family. It's the one my partner uses. Um, I couldn't get him to go all in on 1Password and try all of that out, but I was able to convince him to use iCloud Keychain, so that's a win in my book. So um, for I'm a big, I guess, uh, champion of uh, iCloud Keychain because of its simplicity and integration, uh, but definitely agree that that can be a bit of an issue uh, if you are using multiple platforms. But uh, 1Password is my tool, and um, nothing is missing there <laughs> uh, for for me. It works just as I want it to. Brian, what about you? I'm a 1Password kid at heart as well. Um, I think iCloud Keychain is maturing really quickly and i think there's a lot of interesting opportunities there but 
one password keeps upping the ball game. Uh, their new integration with Fastmail made me switch to Fastmail so that I can generate those like super quick, you know, throwaway emails, and it makes managing all of the email that I get a lot easier. Also, it's just so cheap. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I don't have to pay much to get that next level of stuff. Um, iCloud Keychain is great. I love to point it out to people, but I am an evangelist for One Password. Uh, got my parents on it. Finally, which was, you know, like four years of getting my mom to actually remember to use it on her Windows computer. Um, And what I love about that is the ability to like we're in a family so I can help my mom uh, when she forgets things or my dad couldn't figure out how to get his vault set up. So I was able to reset that. So I really do use one password and I'm not sure what would make me give it up for iCloud keychain, except if it really overtook one password with features. But I just don't see that happening. I mean, I guess if 1Password really goes hard into business and starts dropping off some of those consumer features, that would be a different story. But until that happens, I'm 1Password all the way. Interesting. Yeah, Uh, I use iCloud Keychain mostly for what I'm doing. Um, And I think for me, what what tips the edge is the integration is so good uh, across all my Apple devices. And I'm I'm really only an Apple device user for the most part. So for me, that's such a big deal. I will say I do use 1Password as well. In fact, I use an older version of 1Password before they started the subscription model where I just have a vault where I can store stuff because there's things I need to look up sometimes. And that is one place where iCloud Keychain really falls down, which is I just need to look up a password for something. Uh, now I have to delve into like system preferences or the settings app on my iPhone. And then I have to like go through a bunch of stuff and it's it's annoying. Um, it also 1Password does a better job of letting me store sort of ad hoc passwords for things where iCloud Keychain don't doesn't work. I have a lot of work I do on servers and it's not like terminal has keychain support in it so if i need to go and look something up it's just faster to be able to go to that menu for uh for one password and just grab the credentials i need and put them in there and also just all the other ad hoc data information it lets you put in like driver's license passport like credit cards like all that stuff is good to have and as brian mentioned like i i've used it with my parents as well being able to have vaults that i can like look at their vaults or or help them access stuff or share passwords with them in cases where i need to do that it's one place that that icloud keychain doesn't really compete at all so i have not really moved to the the all like latest and greatest version of one password because it mostly still fills my needs and I, i would love to move to a more streamlined approach but right now i'm sort of living that hybrid life all right. Well, thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our last regular topic from Carolina. Well, I feel like we've we've been talking about tech so much, and here I come with a very uh, touchy-feely topic of Wordle being acquired by the New York Times. And so I'm curious whether you did uh, get into the game, and if you liked it or not, and how do you feel about um, this game that was invented by a guy in the UK to please this uh, espouse and keep her busy? and being gobbled up by the New York Times. I definitely did play. I played uh, quite a bit. I continue to play. I am of of sort of mixed feelings about this because I'm very happy for the developer. And I'm very happy that uh, there was a, a really good tweet that was going around that was like, it's proof that someone can make something out of love 
and not be gross about it the whole time and make a real thing and then can actually make some money off of it in the end. Given that this is this, uh, you know, uh, the society that we live in uh, requires money to function and money to be able to do all of the things that we need to do. So one goal in life is to make money so that we can participate in this society that we've built. And so in that way, creating a thing out of love and keeping it not gross and then uh, being able to um, find success in that thing, I feel very positive about. On the other hand, there's the part of me that's like, you know, capitalism is gross. And I wish that, <laughs> uh, that you know, that the ultimate goal is not always like that joke about do a thing, do a thing, profit, that that has to be the end all be all. But um, it doesn't take away the joy that I have for the developer in being able to do this thing. And my hope is that the New York Times is a good steward of this. But my concern is that it ends up eventually making its way to being behind a paywall. Brian, what are mm-hmm. your thoughts? I am a time subscriber. And when I I guess I should say when I'm a time subscriber that my mother gave me her like extra <laughs> guest account. So I have a Times account. So I'm not worried about it going away from me. Let me say that first. I did play Wordle a bit. I dabbled. My ADHD makes it very hard to do anything regularly. <laughs> At first, I was frustrated by Wordle, and then like I figured it out, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this is this is more fun." Um, I like the game. I think I'm just happy for the developer, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I if you don't want to take care of something like that after it starts, if it was a side thing and it just happens to get big, you kind of have a responsibility to mm-hmm. give it to somebody who can do something with it, especially if people are really interested in it and really love it and not to just like turn it off and be like this is too much for me goodbye wordle like uh the developer gave it a chance to continue to live uh which might not have happened if he was forced to sort of like have to take care of it himself he may not have wanted to like build a company around wordle or scale up all of the infrastructure it needed and nobody was paying for it either so you know it was costing him money and so I think that's really important to think about that uh, this guy made a thing that he did to like make his wife happy and it got really big and a lot of people got a lot of enjoyment out of it and then he sold it to the New York Times and made some money off of it and that's okay. And whatever happens afterwards, we all got Wordle the way that it was for that moment in time that was really special to all of us. Yeah, I'm I'm with Brian here like a hundred percent, thousand percent. How many more percent can I give? I'm <laughs> I'm super. I, I'm very enthusiastic about this. I mean, and I I feel like I initially got a little frustrated with the people whose takes were like, oh, this is selling out, it's greed, money, and like, you know, as somebody who writes books and tries to sell books. There's always this sort of thing like, oh, you shouldn't let your art be, you know, <laughs> dissullied by crass commercialism. It's like, I got, I need food, like, like to eat. <laughs> like, 
I, I, I just don't, I don't like that as an argument. I find it very frustrating that people, it, it's the same argument with like, people are like, you know, just do what you love, right? Like just find a job that you love. And it's like, well, yeah, but there are other considerations here. There are practical considerations. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I love writing. I'm glad that I get to do it, but it sure makes it a heck of a lot easier when people are willing to pay for it. Um, so, you know, in this case, the, the creator started it as a, as a side project, you know, he did it for his partner and that, that's awesome. And I don't think he ever, he clearly never intended to make money off it. There were no ads, there was no tracking, there were no accounts, anything. So I don't begrudge him being able to say, you know what, this has gotten so big and so popular. And I really just, I don't have the ability to sort of maintain it to the level that I feel like people want. So, uh, you know, finding somebody to sell it to is great. And, you know, I'm sure the New York Times came asking and from all of the developers' uh, comments, he was inspired by a lot of the New York Times games and uh, him and his partner's love of the New York Times, like the the Spelling Bee game and everything. So it seems like a really good fit. I'm also a Times subscriber. I do the crossword every day. So for me, it's not like a, a huge loss. And I feel like both the crossword and, and the Times other games have shown that they are like really invested in making great games and and having people have access to them and even if it goes behind a paywall uh, i don't know i mean if it's worth it to you pay something right like i think at that point i just feel like they didn't buy they didn't spend seven figures on it not to make any money on it uh (laughs) which is hey i can't begrudge them that so i feel like if you felt like it had value to you then you know throwing a few bucks to to support it isn't really a, a weird thing to say at all Carolina, why don't you wrap us up here? I yeah, I, I agree with you all. I I also am a time subscriber, and that was the first thing that crossed my mind when I saw the news. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not losing it. Um, but, but I have to say, I would pay money for it. Um, I I love the simplicity of the game and how you know different from everything else that we seem to be doing. It was addicted in a different way. You know, he didn't consume your your life and your day by asking you to continually checking in mm-hmm. and doing things. And, you know, you would go in and do it. And for some reason, for me, it was like three o'clock in the morning when the cat wakes me up and, and I can't go back to sleep. Um and, you know, and then you're off and you get on with your day and, you know, everybody posting on, on social media may you feel part of something at a time where we're still not back to being part of what we normally are part of, right? Going out and about and doing our things. Um, and that was special. And I agree that, um, you know, while there is a, you know, kind of capitalism story on one side there's also the first of all the the love that the times clearly has for games and and how um you know crafted the crosswords are and other things that they've done and so in that respect you would think is is in good hands but but also to brian's point earlier this has probably become anything much bigger than the developer initially thought of and uh, it is an act of love to kind of give it up so that somebody else can take it where you no longer can. And so it, it just feels like a good story all around. I love this. Such such positive um, reactions uh, all around. So folks, I am very excited to say that uh, we will be having a bonus topic after this. But what's exciting is that now those of you who are members uh, of the Relay FM um, membership will be able to get access to a new extra topic. So if you are a subscriber, and you've been getting the bootleg of Clockwise, that bootleg is about 
about to get even more valuable because we will have an extra topic that only you will get to hear the responses to. So let's head into that bonus topic now that everybody gets to hear before the extra topic that's just for members. My bonus topic for you is this. It's raining. Do you run out into the rain and get soaked or do you do your best to avoid it at all costs? Brian? I would say that I probably do my best to avoid it at all costs, but I will, I won't, yeah, I don't want to get wet, but also I would, if I'm at home, maybe I would go out in the rain, like, especially if it's warm, but if it's too cold, no, thank you. Get that rain away from me. I do not want it. Also, I'm a black person with hair. And so like, once my hair is done, please do not mess it up. It's too much work. Uh, I'm also a avoid rain, uh, kind of at all costs person. I don't know. I just don't like, I don't like being damp. A nice warm spring rain charm with you, Brian. That's, that could be nice, but mostly no, no, keep me dry. That's why we invented hoods and hats and all that great stuff. Carolina. I lived in the UK for 18 years. There's not a lot that you can do to avoid rain. And it's funny when I moved to California, it was like, you know, people with umbrellas, like this is nothing people. It's like, you know, two drops of, of wet stuff coming from this, the, the um, uh, ceiling, I was saying, from, from the sky. It's not going to ruin anything. And now that I moved away from uh, the Bay Area, and I'm in Atlanta, and it does rain. And man, it rains a lot, like it pours when it rains. And there's actually a fun thing only when I'm home that I don't, you know, I'm not worried about what my hair and my makeup is going to look like afterwards. But it is fun to kind of go out and get soaked. Mm-hmm. So I'm right there with you. Uh, here in California, <laughs> there are a few droplets. I'm I'm so happy to be out and everybody else is putting up hoods, pulling out umbrellas and everything. And I'm like, this is heaven. Because back home, when it rains, it pours. And honestly, I like that too. I, uh, of course, there are times if I'm super cold or something, I don't want to. But every once in a while, I really feel that desire to just run through a field while it's raining and just get soaked. It's, I don't, there's something so delightful about that. I just um, see this picture, Micah. Right? You, like <laughs> running it. through the rain with your shoes off. <laughs> He's, a yeah. He's a frolicker. We know this. <laughs> the music is playing in the background. Uh, um, thank you all for your answers on that. It is now time to say goodbye. Uh, except for those of you who are members who get an extra topic later on. Um, thank you to our wonderful guests, Brian Guffey. Thank you. This was a delightful first episode. Looking forward to having you back on in the future. Absolutely. Thank you. This was wonderful. And I'm also excited to come back. <laughs> and Carolina Milanese, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. And Micah will be back next week, but we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.